You're listening to Beyond the Bike with Big Lou. And now a few words from our advertisers. Welcome to Sysmontane Brewing Company. We are located at 1409 East Warner Suite 6, Santa Ana, California 92705. We are open on Monday through Thursday from 3 to 9, Friday and Saturday from 12 to 9, and Sunday from 12 to 6. We have 15 beers on tap with rotating seasonal options. We also have a cask night and taco Tuesday every Tuesday from 3 to 9. And we also feature vinyl Sundays where you can come and choose your own record and we play your music for you. We'll see you soon, Santa Ana. Cheers. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bike. That was uh, some of Kanye's masterpiece. Right, Dan? I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> that's uh, that's how we intro into talking about wine. Yeah. You know? That's what gives wine the uh, peppiness. Yeah. If you're, you guys have ever seen that, that meme that's going around the last couple of weeks, you know, or it's got like uh, uh, the dad from Rick and Morty's, like me listening to rap music about killing people on my way to work. That's pretty much me. Anyways. And tonight so. we have Jordan Steyer in the studio. <laughs> Jordan Steyer, welcome. What's going on, man? Jordan, you're going to be a, uh, a fixture, right? I guess so. Wow. Held hostage mm-hmm. right now. Damn. Oh, yeah, probably. Hey. Oh. Something's going off over here, man. Lou, popular, dude. The guy Sorry. that runs the podcast. His Sorry. phone is vibrating. Huh. Well, at least I put it on vibrate. You sure that was his phone? Híjole. Very, very professional. <laughs> The wine guru himself, Dan Williams. What's up, everybody? <laughs> that was last year, man. Yeah, whatever. It's old school. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like gibberish with all the rappers because they all sound the same. Marble mouths. Yes. Yeah, not enough face tats on me, dude. Molly, I, I, I'd call them Molly mouths or something. Molly mouths? Huh? Yeah, because they're always on that Molly. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Off to a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, bit of news before we get into it real quick. This yeah. weekend, North Star, California Dura Series. Mm-hmm. We're wishing Uncle B good luck. Oh, he's up there. Hopefully he doesn't break his face. That's uh, Comes back. Yeah. You hungry? Who was that? That wasn't me. Okay. It wasn't, was that wasn't you? Me. It wasn't me. <laughs> Uncle B, good luck. <laughs> Why would you put that on him, dude? Tell him, hey, I hope you do well in your race. No, no, no. No, yeah. no, no, dude. I mean. I hope you don't break your face. I hope you don't break your face. I mean, man. there's a race going on, but watch your face. <laughs> he, I mean, he's still he's still kind of recovering from that. Mentally? Or uh, facially? <laughs> <laughs> Both. All right. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think it, I think it looks fine. Dude, he's as sexy as he ever was. I never knew him before his face got messed oh, up. So, I mean, hey. I, I got a picture of when it happened. If you want to see it. I saw that. I'm okay. saying I didn't know him before when his face was normal. He said. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was messing. No, when I first met him. like He's I, a monster. Like, it was like maybe a month after the whole thing. I thought he looked normal. And like, I know he was still self-conscious because you could tell. like he would, He's wearing a hat, too. But you could tell his like head was like kind of low. Well, but I never really. I mean, I don't notice yeah. much. I mean, he's got a little bit of scarring on his upper lip, but like, who mm-hmm. cares, dude? Well, you know, I'm yeah. Sure, yeah, I'm sure he notices every little oh, like thing. Oh, like yeah. you know, we're would. just kind of like, what? What are you talking about? Nah, he's still still a decent looking dude. We're all good looking guys, right? Man crush. Not trying. To... <laughs> Whatever, dude. Man yeah. crush. Yeah. It's 2018. Yeah. To... So, anyways, <laughs> Uncle cool. B, that's cool. Good luck this weekend. Good luck, Brenton. And it's uh, this that's, is a qualifier for EWS. It's a tough race. Yeah, yeah two, two day, right? Two day. Yeah, I saw Chris Ball was there. 
Yep. It's cool. Oh yeah. It's uh it's expensive to to put on one of these races, man. I have I have the numbers, dude, and I'm like, wow. That's why the race is what, 140 bucks, I think, for uh, 130, I think I think they bumped it up uh probably one fifty. I think they're like the one seventy one one eighty or something 180, like that. Yeah. yeah. And last bit, year was like one thirty or one forty, wasn't it? No, it was up there. Um mm. I think this year because it's EWS qualifier, it's expensive. You know, it yeah. the, you know, there's a big big price tag when you say ews yeah. qualifier so they you know they have to come up with that money yeah the race is expensive they've, they've been slowly going up over the years it seems like for sure Popular- i mean and, and popularity two, and two day races too i mean you're doing i mean i'm assuming you're using the lift both days too yeah they uh, cost money i think obviously. they they gave you like a um a um lift for practice and then and then obviously race day you have yeah yeah, lift access. And then, and then meal tickets and meal tickets. beer tickets, too. Yeah. I mean, it definitely adds up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> probably right. not a bad deal at the end of the day. That's kind of expensive. But anyways, yeah, yeah, so Uncle B's up there with Uncle Joe from Hawaii. Sweet. And uh, hopefully people in Hawaii are not getting drenched. <clears throat> yeah. Right? I think it got reduced to a cat, uh, cat 3 or something. I didn't even know anything about that till this morning. That's how out of the yeah. loop I am on some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Hurricane Lane, right? They call it Hurricane Lane? Yeah. Yeah. Went to a four, not to three, but still, that's they can still cause damage. Oh heck yeah! I got friends over there right now on vacation. So really? See how it goes. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah. Could imagine you plan that out and it's like, oh. Well, they, they they had some lady on some people from like Europe, and they're like, uh, that was like our dream vacation, and the airlines like, oh, you, we can give you like another date, but you have to use it by September 9th. After oh, that, it like expires, so wow. they can't get a refund. Well, that was Hawaiian Airlines, so maybe not use them next time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, good luck to Uncle uh, Uncle, Uncle B. B. Yeah, just uh, and everybody else. Don't wreck racing. your face, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and bring me some beer. <laughs> There's some good breweries up in there. Bring okay. some beer, man. Selfish. All right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Jay. So uh, since we got the uh, wine connoisseur over here, uh, Dan Williams, we thought we would ask him about uh, the basics of wine. I personally, I enjoy wine. I just don't really know much about it. So I wanted to start with just the basics with uh, the types of grapes. I know obviously there's the red and the white, but I know there's different types, different regions. What uh, what are the different types of grapes on a general basis? Like, wow, um, I know it's just really broad. I know it, yeah, I mean it. It is, but I mean let's start with. I mean, I guess we'll just talk about what most people are familiar with. By the way, am I, can everybody? You hear me okay? Am I You're good? good? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um, sorry, I don't do this that often, uh, but I think like you know. Really, you're looking at like the the main red grapes are going to be Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir, uh, and there are others like uh, Merlot, Grenache, Zinfandel. But Cabernet Sauvignon and Pinot Noir are going to be the main grapes, and then for the white grapes, uh, Chardonnay is definitely the most popular yeah. grape here. Um, and then you know other ones with notable popularity would be like uh, a Sauvignon Blanc. Um, or even a Riesling, let's say, okay. you know, whether sweet or dry. So the actual grape is named that? Yes. Okay, I did yeah. not know that. Okay. Yeah. Like here, Again, I I'm, I'm, don't know anything. No, nah, that's so, okay. okay. Here, he, generally speaking, in the new world, we'll refer to the wine by the type of grape that's in it. So if they call it a Cabernet Sauvignon, it's that's the main grape that's in it. If they call it a Chardonnay, that's the main grape that's in it. But when you go to the old world, like Italy and France, they refer to the wines by the region they are grown in mm-hmm. you know so so if you hear them say champagne that's actually a region in france or if they say 
Bordeaux, that's a region in France, or Chianti is a region in Italy. Chianti. Yes. Yeah, it seems to be that whole controversial <clears throat> thing the with, with Champagne and Bordeaux. It seems to be kind of like one of those names that gets carried over to people that make a wine that's like those, but then they try to name them Bordeaux or name them Champagnes. Those, yeah. Yeah, those. yeah, and they've pretty much gotten away from that. You know, there's a couple exceptions, but for the most part, you know, they're just like, okay, no, we're just going to keep, you know, Champagne pretty much just for yeah. the champagne region. You know, sparkling, kind of, sparkling wine. wine doesn't look like sexy on the bottle, so people are like, "Oh, champagne!" And like yeah. the whole idea of champagne. Exactly. Okay. exactly. It's like tequila, right? You can't. It's got to be from that region in order to be called tequila. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it, and it, you can have something made from the exact same process, from the exact same materials, but outside the region, so you cannot call it tequila. Mm-hmm. So what do they call it? Mezcal, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think that's. I think mezcal is made differently, like, uh, but um, you know, just agave maybe. Yeah. Weird. Okay. I don't know. That's that's not my strong suit. I don't. I don't drink a whole lot of uh, tequila unless it's in a margarita. To be honest with you. Yeah. Whatever. Cadillac cheap. margarita or what? Whatever's on the house. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You offering? We got beers here. You oh, know bro? what? Yeah. Speaking of beers, Gunwale. <laughs> This is point. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I just picked this up today, man. You paid for <laughs> that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I paid for it, but. This is a new can release. It's called Pueblo Revival, and uh, it's a hazy double IPA. Is that the one that you were just drinking when we were? Uh, no, no, no they, they, a they different hazy. Yeah, the lazy hazies, bro. I'm gonna crack it open, Dan. Grab a cup. Yeah, sure, or two, or two. Want some of this? Yeah, I'll just use a red cup. Or, All right. Do you want me to use that? Well, cup? Whatever you want, man. All right, bro. This is great for the listeners. Yeah. Hey guys, this is uh, me handing a cup to Lou. I'm e, just gonna talk Supreme this out. baby, Supreme. It's got cup. a Supreme sticker on Supreme, it, so obviously it's gonna taste better. Mm-hmm. That's right. There so my go. beer's not gonna taste as good as yours now. Well, it's Definitely red. Not. It's, Mine's it's gonna a, taste a little, red. A little bit yeah. Supreme. What, what oh, you, got you, got? The, you got the noble uh, coffee roasting on there too. I still have that on my can. Remember when we went? Yeah. Maybe we maybe we have to make that trip in October. I'm down, dude. I thought about that yesterday actually. Dan. Anyways. Because when see when the last time Dan was here on, on the on with the show with Uncle B, we're talking about like how beers are more complex than wine, right? You said no. that. You said that. More complex. That's a that's a tough word. I don't know about that. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to bring it. I'm gonna have to. You you will have to bring it up. It doesn't yeah. sound like something I would have said. But it doesn't sound like something I would not have said. <laughs> <laughs> with a few few beers, maybe he's yeah. like, oh wow. This what, is... what do you think about it? I haven't, uh, I haven't it it's, it's good. It's got like a good mix of this uh, a tropical note, like like slightly pineapple mango, with a little bit of citrus going on with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know it's pretty good. Uh, good hops, but they're not bitter. It's not super resiny. No, it's not you know? bitter at all. Actually, so uh, floral, it's good. Yeah, I I would concur. <laughs> yeah, it's actually <laughs> it doesn't have the bite of like an IPA. Actually, it's kind of it's kind of warm. It's eight eight point two percent. Wow. That's so. an easy eight point two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. Yeah. To be honest with you, hey, they're, they're low IBUs. I was just gonna, like hazies are yeah, low, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Maybe twenty or something like that. Twenty five, thirty, something like that, if that. But uh, I, I I don't know. I'm I'm kind of into them right now. I, I know a lot of guys are. That's a like, hazy. That's a hazy. hazy. Wow. These are these are all hazies. Offshoot, wow, Lord that's... Hobo, and Brewery West. First hazy that I actually liked. All right, <laughs> so we we got three more. So so okay. So you don't like hazies. <laughs> this guy over here, I, I'm I'm gonna start calling them the lazy hazies. Ooh, because well, apparently I mean, they're easy to make. Yes, they are. Why do you not like hazies? Honestly, I could no character. Pl- um, they just taste muddled. Muddled. You know, you know, it's like you, you taste it just kind of like eh. They just use. I mean, ex- except for this one, which honestly I've 
no affiliation with it and, you know, not being paid to say anything. So, you know, that disclaimer right there. No, I don't know if these guys are, but. No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, no I, but honestly, just like they, they, I bought all these, you know, they're just kind of funky to me. You know, they're just like, they don't really seem to be well put together. You mm. know, um, they taste kind of clumsy, mm. you know, but this one is actually really tasty. Weird. I well, like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of breweries that, that are doing collaborations together. So I know that Gunwheel had one with, uh, with McKellar and it was like a two, two if by T, which is like, it had like a T note to it. And, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, also a hazy IPA and. I think that's like kind of the trend right now with with uh, a lot of hazies, like collaborations. Like, hey, that's weird. We go to your brewery, or you come to my brewery, and you know, start throwing shit in there and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope they like each other. Yeah, it's like it's like an arranged marriage or something. And if not, <laughs> and if not, Lou will buy all of them. So, oh uh, no, I'm, I'm picky, yeah. dude. I mean, this is I took a gamble, dude. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, dude. Let's just try it. Yeah, it tastes good. Yeah, back to wine. But uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, Obviously, the regions we were talking about different uh, grapes and whatnot. But so mm. when it comes to the soil, um, I know this all kind of affects the flavor at the end. But um, I guess what would my question be about soil? Uh, like what what soil works best for certain? Is there a certain type of soil that you would use for white, you know, grapes versus red? Ooh, yes and no at the same time. I mean, if you regions, I should say maybe regions. <laughs> like obviously, I would I would assume white would work different than red in certain regions to, to some degree i mean yeah um if you want to get crazy yeah I, I mean if you go to any winery or any 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 you know any winery that has a vineyard they're gonna say that whatever soil they have is oh, of course the best soil for you know it could be a clay-based soil and they're like no no no, because no, no, cabernet loves clay you know <laughs> loves rocks what well no just clay like just dirt like loamy clay and they'll be like oh this is great that's the perfect soil then you can go like Somebody in the same region who's kind of up on a mountain, though, and they've got, like, super rocky soil. They're like, no, 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 this is the best. So, I mean, you know, there's lots of grapes that can work in lots of different soils. But, um, you know, pretty much any soil that has good drainage, um, you know, maybe can hold a little bit of water, but not so much that the area kind of, you know, um, floods, let's say. Um, And anything that has low nutrients that makes the vine struggle will typically produce quality grapes for making a quality wine see i've heard that we're like you actually let the plant struggle it, it tends to i guess it holds on to the to its sugar so then it would make a better grape would that be the the scientific way of thinking of it it stores more sugar so what it what it does essentially what the grapevines what the grapevine needs to do is it needs to produce grapes that actually look attractive to birds so that birds can go ahead and Mm. eat the grapes, fly somewhere, poop it out with the seeds, and then create a new vine. Mm. So it's trying to actually create, you know, delicious looking grapes. And so if you have a vine that's in very vigorous soils, it's producing a huge crop and none of those grapes will really look, let's say, as good as a vine that's struggling and produces fewer grapes. So therefore it's got, you know, I got to focus my energy because I only have, you know, Needs like, adapt. yeah, I, just, I need to focus everything on, on just to these and I've got to make them look really, really good because the vine's got less of a chance for a bird to eat them and poop them out. Although, you know, Hey, they're not, birds aren't going to eat them because we're going to harvest them and make them into wine anyway. Interesting. You know, so yeah, you want, you want the vine to struggle. And there's other reasons too. Like if, if the vine is too vigorous and the canopy, you know, which is like all the green parts, you know, all the, the shoot growth from this year and all the leaves, you know, if that gets too vigorous, then the, 
the resulting wine can actually taste thin and weedy and just not have good flavors at all as well. So that's Weird. another aspect of it as well, you know, but then again, you make it struggle too much and then you're just not going to get anything. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw your post that so you're talking about cal calcareous soil. Calcareous soil. Calcareous, right. excuse me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so those are soils that are, uh, have, uh, some percentage of, uh, um, brain fart. I think, I think it's calcium by uh, calcium bicarbonate. I want to say it is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, like uh, limestone, let's say, or types of shale. Uh, those those are good soils because they can actually uh, they have good drainage, but they can retain enough water so that vines uh, will have enough water to drink during the growing season, like during the summer months, like here when we get no mm -hmm. uh, rain, and also they tend to promote um, higher uh, higher acidities and lower pHs in the wines, you know, so the wines will actually feel, uh, you know, if you had two vineyards side by side, you know, in a really warm or hot area, and one was on, let's say, a clay soil, and one's on those calcareous soils, the one with the calcareous soil will have more acidity, uh, will have a lower pH, and or can have higher acidity and a lower pH, and so the wine actually will taste fresher and livelier, and will taste like it's more in balance compared to the clay soil. Hmm. Again, again, that's generality. You get, mm -hmm. there, there's some places that have clay soils that just make absolutely phenomenal wine. Yeah, I mean, I guess that all comes down to how good the uh, the vineyard is or how good the winery is at, at you know picking at the right time. There's science behind all. This yeah. Stuff. Oh, there's yeah. a there's a big science. I mean, you know, you have to do the whole process well, but we're starting with the grapes, obviously. So you have to yeah. you have to start with a good base. Yeah, exactly. Pick a pick a good you know pick a good spot to grow whatever grape you want to pick, you know, like maybe your area is perfectly suited for, uh, let's say more Vedra, you know, more Vedra is a grape. Maybe it's perfectly suited for more Vedra, but if you want to grow a Pinot Noir, it's like, no, that's just not going to work. You What's, know? What, what was that? No, a Vedra. More Vedra. It's another, <clears throat> it's a red wine grape, uh, uh, from the Rhone Valley of France that is also planted, you know, in Spain, it's planted you know, all throughout the world, but you'll see it quite often in, uh, France, in Spain, in California. It's called hmm. Morvedra? Morvedra. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Or some people just call it Morved. Tomato, potato. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's crazy. Just the whole struggling bit. So I, my, my parents go up to Napa every year. Just I know Napa's kind of like one of those spots where people are like, oh, well, you, of course you go to Napa. Everyone goes there. But they go up every year, and they always talk about the things that they learn every time they go. And the last time they went, they went on a uh, – just like one of those tours and they were talking about that, the whole struggling thing. It's like when mm -hmm. you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. That's just interesting. It's just crazy how that that's like a like, – like could you tell the difference if you had like a the, the struggling grape versus the, I guess, the overfed? Like could you tell if you had a wine next – like yeah. you said it was just – it loses its character a little bit when it's uh, – yeah, it's overfed. That's crazy. Yeah, it totally does, and you can you can taste. I mean, some some grapes are uh, you can taste that a little more readily than others. Like Sauvignon, uh, uh, it's generally accepted that something like Cabernet Sauvignon, or let's say, yeah, let's use Cabernet Sauvignon. You know, is typically around if you get two or three tons of grapes per acre, that's considered. Hey, you're probably you know, going to make some really good wine with that because the yields are lower. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc is something where like you can crop it out at like four to six tons an acre and still make a really good Sauvignon Blanc, you know, mm. and maybe doing it at two tons an acre doesn't really get you a better wine. It just gets you less, less. wine. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. So when, when they press it, like, 
do you how much how much of that is lost? I mean, do you get all of it? Like when they're you know, and there's like a, what's the process of that? You know that that's going to depend on the type of wine you want to make, the quality of the wine you want to make, and the grape as well. Some grapes um, have are bigger. They, they have their bigger grapes with. Uh, thinner skins so you might get more juice than a larger grape with thick skins you know so to speak that you know that factors into it and as well as you know once you start pressing them uh the initial press you start getting some you know real quality juice but after you start pressing them you know a little too hard and that's you know debatable depends on like again what the grape you know what type of wine you're trying to make the quality of the wine and so forth like that you start pressing a little too hard you start getting bitterness out of it yeah, so, just, so okay go ahead sorry well i was gonna say to preface that i mean um i guess even before any of this when do you know when when to pick them when are they ripe i mean how do they do they have like a set routine like give it three months or is it like a most people do um, a lot of people pick by numbers you know they'll they'll you know uh pull a grape, see how much sugar is in it. You know, there's a refactometer that they can, you know, pick a grape, squirt some juice on it. Yeah, I just said that. And, then, <laughs> and they go ahead and look at it in the sunlight and it tells exactly how much sugar is in there. Um, Damn, to the and, science. That's yeah, cool. yeah. And so, I mean, some some people will pick by the numbers because they're, they're, they're looking for something in particular. And then mm-hmm. there's other people who are kind of like, you know, well, yeah, I mean, I look at those numbers to kind of get an idea, but I still have to, they're, you know, they, they, put the grapes in their mouth, they chew on them, they will crunch the seeds in their teeth to try and, you know, they're looking for something to appear or they may be looking for something to disappear, okay. you know. Um, but typically you'll start seeing, like right now, they are they just started harvesting like here in California, like in the last week or so. Yep. Um, so this is typically when you might, or I don't want to say typically, it's, it's varying from year to year, but I would say maybe this might be slightly early harvest. You know, uh, for some people, um, but give or take August and through November is when you will see people harvesting, depending on where you are in the northern hemisphere. You know, depending on where you are mm-hmm. and what grape you're harvesting, things like that. I know in Baja they're doing it; they already started harvesting in Baja. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's warmer down there, so yeah, I would, I, I would, say. yeah. It's it's pretty. It's it's mostly warmer. Um, I don't think i don't really know but how how cool does it get at night over there lou it's uh i would say like maybe san diego weather i would say probably probably good comparison maybe san marcos okay like that it's, area it's not that's not too far south like what he's talking about as far mm-hmm. as the vineyard so yeah like san diego weather so, yeah i mean it gets yeah, it can get fairly I mean, cool it's about, about the same i would say is i mean I mean, Depend, but I'm talking like depends. nighttime temperatures or first thing in the morning, about the same. You think? Yeah, I mean, we, we were uh, we were down there like in July to ride bikes, and mm-hmm. and uh, in the morning it was it was cool. It was cool in the morning. Like, well, so like, what, what are we comparing to though? No, but I'm just saying, like, was it like in general? Was it like 50 degrees, 60 degrees, I would 70 say like, degrees? I would say like 60 to 70, something like that. It's still like that's warm. Yeah, yeah, Is that's pretty warm. warm. Yeah, Is it? yeah, for nighttime temperatures and like first thing in the morning. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty okay. Yeah, so I would see them. I would see them harvesting pretty early. Yeah. That's the other part of it. You know, you get really cool nights that kind of, you know, can help delay in a positive way. That can, that kind can delay the ripening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's called a diurnal range. The difference between diurnal the low range. and the high. Wow, yeah. interesting. That's a good. The better, di- the bigger the diurnal range, the better. Wow, That's something like something Hugh Howler would say. Golly. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so. Uh, Depending, so now now we're talking about the the, the process, right? The grapes, so mm-hmm. they're picked, they're, picked. they're juiced, mm-hmm. 
juiced, whatever you want to call juiced. them. Juiced. What, what's, what's, right? what's, what's the technical term? Like they're pressed. Just pressed. Whatever. Are we talking about reds or whites? Because that's two different well, things as well. So, so that was going to be my next question. So okay. say you have. Sorry, a, I didn't mean to jump in on that. If you want to, you know. Nah, dude, we're just right. we're just talking. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that was my next thing though. So um, if you have like a Chardonnay grape, or if you have just whatever, like if you have just like a single type of like, grape, does that go to a single wine, or could you try to make two different wines with that? Like, would would a, would a vineyard make multiple Chardonnays out of that same grape? Um, they can. Yeah. I, I, yes. Uh, on both. On like, both. Well, I guess white's kind of different because you don't really age them as much. Or in general at all, right? Uh, Compared to a red, a, rare, a they, red you can kind of extend, but yeah, let's. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, shard white wines can age, um, but most people drink them sooner okay. rather than later. Why is that? Um, it's don't age as well. Just uh, well, let's, or at all. I can back up it, back it up even further. Just say almost all, almost all wine is not aged anymore. You know, I think it was something like ninety eight percent, something like ninety eight percent of all. Wine purchased is consumed within 24 to 48 hours. Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's something like that. Like virtually all wine is consumed within a day or two after it's purchased. Virtually no wine is, is laid down. Um, Chardonnays. So let's do it like this. Let's say like. Purchased uh, though. Meaning that it was aged prior to purchase. Yeah, yeah. But, but we'll do it like so. So a Chardonnay, the current vintages right now on a Chardonnay are, you know, mostly 2015s, 2016s. Because the, the process to make. That grape, as a, again, these are all generalizations, is shorter, so they can get it to market sooner, get yeah. their money sooner. Yeah. Whereas something like uh, a Cabernet or a Zinfandel or a Merlot needs more time, uh, takes a little bit longer. It can take longer to ferment. They hold it in barrel longer. They hold it in bottle longer. So hmm. you know, most of what you see in the market's like 2014s or maybe mm-hmm. 2015s. So. The wineries have held on to that for another year or two longer, you know. Wow. So it's a bigger it's a bigger investment for them too. Right? It is. It's it's definitely a bigger investment. Well, so that kind of sounds like the whole hazy thing. Like you're into hazies. It sounds like the Chardonnay is kind of like the the bread and butter, like a hazy would be nowadays. Just crank them out. If people mm-hmm. like the hazies, why not? I mean, if it's an easy thing to make, mm-hmm. or I shouldn't say easy, but a quick thing to make. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, in regards to the hazy, I. You know, if, if if that's the trend and people can do them, they can get it to market quickly. Why? Why the hell wouldn't it? if I had a brewery? I'd I'd be looking into those. Yeah. Crank them out, or I'd yeah. bring a friend in who knew how to make them because yeah. <laughs> you know something like that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the the pressing process. So we we kind of touched on it briefly, but so is there like different stages when you press the wine? Like you want to extract certain, you know, like you were talking about, like right. So like the more you press it, the you get what bitterness out of it? Yeah, at some point in time, you're gonna you're gonna be, you're gonna start to get bitterness out of them. So is um, there like a like a like a staging process? Like, okay, we're we're gonna press it this much, and then we get you know like more of a concentrated form of the wine. So versus like, so like we'll in a in a we'll start with white wines typically for again a Chardonnay because that's the most popular white wine. They'll go ahead and they'll pick the grapes, they'll put them into a press, and they'll press that juice right into the fermenter, which is either going to be a big, you know, anywhere from like a 4,000, 8,000, 10,000 gallon stainless steel fermenter or a smaller 55 gallon barrel. And they'll, they'll press, uh, to, you know, whatever it is, a a hundred PSI, 125 PSI. The winemaker kind of knows about how much they're going to press, um, 
And they learn that just by tasting, you know, they mm-hmm. work with fruit from a vineyard for a certain amount of time. And then as they start pressing from the get-go, they'll taste it every so often. And then they'll start to go ahead and get to a point where like, ah, oh, that's starting to get a little something that I'm not really looking for. Okay, stop the press right there. And then... Stop the presses. Yeah, exactly. It sounds a lot like espresso, actually, So with the different PSIs. Because I know like if you get like a fancier espresso machine, they, they yeah, can you... actually adjust uh, PSI and it changes the flavor. So I didn't realize they had the different... Don't you have like a fancy coffee machine there, Jordan? It's not fancy at all, dude. Fancy is relative. It's just small espresso <laughs> machine, dude. Does it have certain PSI on your on your coffee? No, oh, okay. no, that's when you're looking at thousands. <laughs> okay, at that point. Yeah. all right, yeah. So they'll they'll just know after a while that oh, this is you know th- these are flavors that I don't want, and then they'll stop and go ahead and toss those grapes, you know, and then they'll put in the next batch of grapes and do it all over again. So what when they when they harvest them, um, it's all done by hand now, or is it a machine, or I mean, how's it done? Both, both. both. I mean, um, your higher. Let me back up. The, the um, you can mechanically harvest grapes and still make a tasty wine out of it, but the best wines are typically hand harvested. Why is that? Um, the fruit can get damaged in mechanized harvesting, mm-hmm. and they will start to oxidize and start to get off flavors by the time that they reach the winery. Oh, because because the skin burst, right? Is that, it, is that why? Exactly. Okay. That, that can happen. Okay. Um, so that's less likely to happen with uh, hand harvesting. Is that does, does that reflect on pricing because now you're doing it by hand versus machine, or is it the, yeah. the pricing the same? No, no. The pri- the, the, it, it costs more to hand harvest it because it takes a lot longer. Uh, so you cannot, you just can't cover as much with uh, with humans as you can with uh, you know with the machines. Mm-hmm. So it definitely costs a lot more. What's the percentage of uh, wineries doing doing it by machine versus like by hand? Is it like fifty fifty or I, honestly you don't know? Okay. Honestly, no idea. Okay, no idea. Right. Um, I, well, I know you you visit you know you you get to go out and visit these wineries every once in a while. So I don't know if you see those big machines in the garages or. No, I've seen take take over. No, but I have seen a very respectable winery that was having their wines trucked between locations in like a uh, a gasoline truck. One of those, like you know, when you see when you yeah, see fuel tankers, yeah, full of wine. They're they're just moving it from one spot to another. Holy crap! Is, is that and a no? Like is that, is that a like, no no? That, yeah. yeah Let's put it this way. If I had never seen that and I tasted the wine, I would probably would have been like, oh, you know, wh- whatever. I didn't care because I didn't know that. But now that I've actually seen it, I'm just kind of like, oh, my God, you're killing me. The audacity. You know? There's there's a lot <laughs> of behind the scenes thing that you're just kind of yeah. like, wait, what? So now, the, now yeah, uh, I know we're kind of getting off track, but th- does that reflect on, because you're a wine buyer, high time wine seller, mm-hmm. so does that reflect on? What you're gonna purchase from from that certain winery? Like uh, no, no, okay, no. no. If it tastes, if the product tastes good, and if it sells, I mean that's that's basically what it comes down to. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for tasting new product to see if I bring it in the store, I'm I'm really just looking. Well, not just, but I mean, I've got to taste it and say, okay, if I'm gonna buy this wine and I'm gonna sell it for let's say fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. you know, it, is this wine worth fifteen dollars? If I was a consumer, because you know when I go out and travel, I'm I don't always bring wine with me. I go out and buy wine a lot of times. So it's all, you know, so I am still, even though I'm a wine buyer, I'm still a consumer. Mm-hmm. So it's all about, you know, if I bought this for $15, would I be happy? Would I feel hosed? 
you know, I got to think of my customers first, you know, I got to keep right. them happy. So, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and if it passes that test, you know, then I'll move on from there. Yeah. I remember a couple of times I, I, I would go to the store and buy something from you. Like this, this costs this much, but it, it tastes, you know, it, it pours or tastes like, like the, the different <clears throat> price, right? Yeah. Sometimes you can get a, a good value out of a wine that could be like $40 wine, but it, you know, it tastes like something a little bit more expensive. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll get that in, in spirits. You'll get that in wine. You can get that in, in beers, you know, uh, there's some beers like that too, that you just, you buy it and you're like, yeah, but this drinks like you spent a lot more. That's the kind of stuff that I like to buy for myself. And I like to recommend yeah. to people. I'm like, no, 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 this, you know, I don't like recommending like $20 wine that tastes like $20 wine. I want to, I want somebody to buy a $20 wine and feel like, wow, if I paid more for this, I would still be happy. That's how I want them to feel. So how does it come down to that? So if it tastes like something more expensive, why not charge more? Like, I mean, that's, that's like, how does, how do you, first, how do you dictate price? I'm assuming that it comes from the winery. Like, Hey, this is what our output is. This is, what, this is our recommended retail price. Yeah. I mean, the and the winery's price, I mean, yeah, some of it is, some of the, some of the cost is what it costs them. Obviously, you know, that goes without yeah. saying they have to cover their costs. But um, some sometimes it's it's wineries that are just like, hey, my cost is X, so I need to charge Y in order to make a profit. And then there's others where it's just like, yeah, well, my cost may only be ten bucks a bottle, but my neighbor charges three hundred bucks a bottle, so you know I'm going to charge three hundred bucks a bottle because you know I just have to. Just like that, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's. So I mean I guess my point being is like if 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 you have a twenty dollar bottle that pours like a say fifty dollar or something like that so mm-hmm. is is that twenty dollar bottle usually coming from like a a more like a well known vineyard or like would a would a like a small you know mom and pop kind of vineyard sell a wine like that to you though like would that be like usually I would assume the smaller the vineyard the more expensive the wine because it's just a higher upkeep or is that is that um, the wrong I mean. Like the higher overhead. That, that's that's right muddy water right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind of. But I mean, you know, the thing is, every so often somebody just knows how to make a really tasty wine with what they have available to them for a decent you price. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is, maybe it's ten dollars, but tastes like it's twenty, or maybe it's twenty dollar wine that tastes like it's forty. I mean, they just um, like we have one in our store right now. It's called Obsidian Ridge. It's a Cabernet that we sell for thirty bucks, and it's every bit of like a. 40 maybe even a 50 dollar cabernet hmm. um i'm gonna write that down yeah you should obsidian with an starts with an o o b s i d i a n um you know and 30 bucks plug. yeah oh, <laughs> shameless plug man <laughs> so it's cabernet <clears throat> yeah exactly and i mean 30 bucks isn't isn't cheap i wouldn't quite say no. that's expensive but it's not really you know necessarily cheap but it's it's a wine that for the last three vintages or so um, everybody on staff has been like, wow, that's really good. I really like that. And, and that's a freaking bargain at that price. And that's, and these are, you know, people I work with who, you know, will taste everything from, you know, like wines that cost $6 a bottle to wines that retail for several thousands of dollars a bottle. And we're just like, oh, that is good. I really, you know, there, there's nobody who buys that wine who should feel hosed at all. And I mean, the people who, who own it, you know, they bought the property a while ago before prices went high. Plus, they're in an area where, you know, typically land doesn't go for as much as, let's say, Napa or Sonoma. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, their their costs are lower so they can charge less. And they're not all about 
you know, charging a very high amount for their for their wine. They're just, yeah, they're just like, no, we want to charge a fair price. At this price, we make some money. We make people happy. This is good. Why? And it's working for them. So they're like, why ruin it? Why raise the price to to piss people off? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, not that somebody shouldn't charge more if they can get it, but at some point in time, you got to think of, yeah, well, if you charge more at some point in time, the people who bought it when it was 30 bucks are going to be like, yeah, I need something new. And now you have to find new customers for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like when you, when you're tasting this and you're comparing it to obviously higher end wines, like how, how can you tell when it tastes like a, like a good wine? Like what, what are you noticing in a Cabernet that tastes better than what the price suggests? Like that, is, it, is it just kind of an acquired thing? Yeah, yeah. It really okay. is just time and tasting, and just has that balance of like almost like that uh, umami kind of thing, where like everything just kind of comes together and just tastes like yeah, not yeah. umami, but like that whole idea of like where everything's just balanced and it works. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, the more bells and whistles it has, the more money that it could sell for. Um, you know, and the less obviously, you know, the opposite of that, the less bells and whistles, the less it should sell for. Okay, you know, there's. $100 bottles of wine out there that taste like they can compete with ones that are twice the price. And then there are $100 bottles, $100 bottles of wine out there that taste like they should be $15. And Ooh, Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. And it's just kind of like, you're like, no, I am not going to bring that into the store because I can't sell that with a healthy conscience. I can't tell somebody, yeah, buy this wine. It's great. And I'm like, no way. Well, and the problem with that, too, is that a lot of the people, I mean, myself included, I, I enjoy drinking wine. If you gave me two different red wines that I could tell a different style wise but like between like how old this is what this tastes like i mean i know it tastes good and what doesn't taste good to myself but like a person that buys a hundred dollar hundred dollar bottle of wine is gonna be like whatever it tastes like i spent a hundred bucks and then they're gonna take it back to their friends and they only care about how much it costs that's what mm, that's what's yeah. kind of interesting you know like yeah. that that whole aspect of it i mean the wine seems to have that kind of premium yeah oh it totally does it. but but you hit on like a key thing and i probably said this last time i was here too that like you know your palate is the most important thing mm. that you can know. Is like the placebo effect. Yes, I like this. That's all you need to know. Who cares? Uh, most of the people I know, like you know, who are in the industry, who can you know, who drink or who, who taste the most expensive wines in the world, you know, quite often we're buying stuff that costs us less than twenty bucks that's because funny. they're like, oh, this is so good for the money, and that's what we buy. You know? Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you can't drink that expensive stuff on a daily basis or, like, even on a weekend basis. That's a special event kind of thing when you start doing a couple hundred bucks. So this one I've, I've bought in several times for, for, for people, and mm-hmm. they've loved this wine. Yeah. This one. What is that? That is a Prisoner's Cabernet Blend called Cuttings. That's a good wine. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, oh. Talented winemaker. She's she's good. That's why I only go to you, Dan. And I, I bug you, man. I'm like, hey, is Dan here? Is that guy? He's busy. Never, yeah, never but, too busy for you, Lou. But is Dan here? Like, I'm, I'm gonna buy some stuff, man. <laughs> I want to talk to Dan. That's why you make appointments with me. <laughs> yeah, coming in, you're gonna be there. Yeah, exactly. Stalker, you're stalking me. Well, you know, it's because I know, and I, I'm sure you, 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 you treat every customer the same way. It's like, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna give them the best product, you know, possible for what they want. You yeah, know? I like, want them not, to be happy. You're not, you're not gonna, you know, sell them something that you know that's gonna help your numbers because that's not, your, that's not what you guys are about. Yeah, yeah. The the store that I work at is uh, been in business for like sixty one years now. Like someone's dying in the background, oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's dropping somebody, stuff. Somebody's dropping refrigerators or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've been in business for sixty one years. 
And um, they they didn't stay in business by saying, oh, hey, if I sell you this, I can make an extra couple bucks. They're like, no, 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 no. I want you to be happy. That way you will keep coming back to me, you know, and we will both be happy. And and that's that's, just what what I keep doing. And that's that's I think that's a that's kind of rare nowadays, like. Nowadays, people are about the margins and the numbers. and like, hey, you know, we got to sell X amount of stuff and get, you know, push it yeah. out the door. And you guys yeah. are no, about we don't, quality. Yeah, we, and, we don't do that. Like, quite literally, we don't have, like, I have no sales quota that I need to hit. Um, I don't have any budget as to how much I uh, limit that I have to buy. We and our our, sale, our people on the sales floor are the same way. We don't, I don't go to them and say, hey, you need to sell a lot of this or you need to sell a lot of that. I'm just like, no, just make the customers happy. Keep them coming back. Yeah. Done. And, and you know what? And every time I go in there, when, when if I'm not dealing with you, I'm dealing with somebody else there. I, I feel like the same way, like, hey, you know, like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, this is like the 1792. Like, I would have known about it if mm-hmm. they wouldn't have brought it up. And that's a, that's a really good whiskey. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I guess uh, something happened to their, to their building, right? <laughs> they uh, collapsed or something? I like, don't some... know. I heard I, – I, somebody told me the story in passing, and I didn't really commit it to memory, although yeah. I should have. But yeah. something happened. Yeah. So may, maybe the value of the 1792 I think, whiskey I think, might have gone up. <laughs> I think it was that combined with i think the popularity of it it's good you know so uh, i think I've, it's i've gifted it to a lot of people and they're like dude like really like i don't deserve this i'm like you don't but here you go <laughs> <laughs> and, and and i i always try to i try, always try to find the uh like the high time wine stuff you know with the little blister on there like because i know that yeah somebody like really loved that bot <clears throat> the barrel or whatever Sorry. And, you know that's what they want i'm like that's the oh, good stuff right there you have like a choice sticker like this is yeah, like a taster's like, yeah. choice kind of thing actually what those are those are those are um high time private barrels so uh, mm. our staff will go oh those are those bottles several... that you got you got those fancy little sharpie <clears throat> written oh, yeah <laughs> other pl- other places do this too but yeah. you know and we'll we'll go through we'll taste like they'll bring in like a whole bunch of like weller mm-hmm. you know mm. uh different weller bourbons and they'll say okay pick one and we'll go ahead and say oh my god this is the best and so they'll barrel they'll bottle everything in that barrel just for us and they'll put a special sticker on it and you know we whenever we do that we're trying to make it you, we want it to be unique you know it's got to be true to the style of what like in this case like what a you know a well a customer who buys weller who knows weller in the style to where they will be familiar that they'll know it's weller but it's got to be different in some way and different in a positive way and then yeah. people see those people are kind of trained just like lou now like customers are just like they see that like oh that's a private barrel oh i need that you know yeah. which is cool because even i'll see some of those and i'll be like i just need to have that i i you know because i don't taste them all but uh, sometimes I'll see that I'm like I just have to buy it just because I know that's going to be exceptional. Well, yeah. I, I went in there and uh, you had that Weller, and you know, and it was like something you, you compared it to like Pappy, right? It was very reminiscent of a Van Winkle product, and it's, as, it, have, as it should be. I haven't opened it. I'm like, this is like this is not going to go. I, I don't know when I'm going to drink it, but this is special. I'm like, oh yeah, I drank all mine, man. If you don't want it, I'll take it. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not going to drink <laughs> it. I'm just saying. So what's the shelf life on that though? If you're, I mean. When you buy it, like, and you get a, a bottle like that, like, how long do you years? Just whatever, doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the people in liquor staff told me that, like, you know, practically indefinite, okay. unopened. I mean, technically, I don't know if they're just pulling my leg or what, but I think, you know, it's not like wine, you know, but it can last. Yeah, it's yeah. not not as fragile, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You, that, you, that, you, thank you, 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 you. Thank you for correcting me. Yeah, you can open the bottle and it doesn't really matter. Obviously, like wine, makes oh. sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm running low, so I, I got to go in there and stock up. <laughs> Seriously, dude, like I've, I've been given a bun, bunch of about, but 
Because, you know, like, people appreciate that, you know. Like, He's given a bunch out, but I didn't get any of it, but it's fine. Wow. Yeah. Hey, guy, I got some. I got, there you go, man. All right. Enjoy all right. yourself. Yeah, I, think I, I think I have three Blantons at home. I'll give you one. Thank Ooh, you. Oh, shit. He's giving, he's giving me those lazy hazies, so this is battle of the friendship right now. He's about to give oh, me a bottle. Oh, man. So. You don't even know what that is, bro. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because he knows it's coming from me. I'm, st- I'm still waiting for the, uh, exactly. for the for the for the four one one on the on the new uh, uh, high time wine selection for uh, for Blanton's. For, for oh, you're out of that loop, bro. Shh. No, no, they're they're gonna come out with one. I don't know when when it is. Maybe, maybe we'll we'll talk about it off the air. But is it coming? Is it there? Um. Honestly, okay, no joke. I don't know. Okay. I thought I saw it, and they said no. <laughs> That's a different one. Okay. All right, because that's that's gonna be uh, one bottle per person for the year. And that's it. That's gonna be one bottle, and you better be like a friend or a relative or oh, like good, I'm my, in. my side piece or I, something I'm, I'm like in. that. I don't I'm, know. I'm in. So <laughs> to bring it back, probably the last point on it. But as far as the uh, the bottles go, as far as pricing goes, mm-hmm. um, do you? I mean, you're obviously working at a, at a uh, legitimate wine what would you call it, like Thank a wine you. store yeah instead of just like an actual liquor store uh, i would say bottle shop bottle let's, shop let's call it i mean you can call it a liquor store you can call it a wine shop whatever i would just call it a bottle shop because we do you know we're liquor we're beer we're wine we're champagne yeah or, we're, we're other wine, stuff everything too. Just call it a bottle shop from the regular run of the mill to like the best stuff you can find yeah yeah but um as a purchaser do you realize or do you do you recognize some wines that sell just because of a certain marketing uh, program that they have like maybe the, the label looks a certain way because in my my experience the people that i know at least the, the women that i know they look at the bottle they see what looks good what reminisces <laughs> yes no it's it's, yes. Fun, it's funny it, it, it is really? it's funny but marketing is huge with wine <laughs> oh, like, yeah. if, if, if the label looks nice I'd or if it looks it. if it looks like it's got like a like a cool little cutesy little thing on it or if it's got there's the there's one uh, uh winery right now that has an app where they actually make the label have, I don't 19 know, crimes Yes, where they have like a story. Yeah. You bring your phone out. Lou, I don't know if you've seen this before. There's an app where you, you can uh, pull your phone up. You put the camera on it and that the uh, label. Q- QR, QR reader? It's a QR reader and it'll tell a story on, on the actual, on the label. Interesting. Are you and talking where it actually makes, it turns the label it, like live? An anima- yeah, like an, anima- yeah. an animation. Yeah. And like, it's just, people love that. Yep. But is the wine good? That's the other thing. Maybe it's a good wine, but it's like they literally buy it because of the marketing. Yeah, no, so there's there's quite a few like that. That's kind of tough, I would think, on your part because you're going for flavor, you're going for that the character of the wine, but then you also have the ones that you like. Okay, I know this will sell, but is this actually a good wine? Yeah, you yeah. have to carry those, obviously. I would I would assume, but then you'd also say, hey, we also have this in the same kind of bracket, maybe if they ask, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, there is that. I mean, the the label design can not always, but it can play a, a big factor in whether the wine sells. Um, there's a couple times that I bought uh, a wine at that was going to sell for like $12. That was really good. And people didn't want it because of the label. They wouldn't even try it. They just didn't like the label. Wow. And, you know, and that's just, that's, that's how it is. And I understand that. And so yesterday I tasted with some big wigs from a distributor and, they're like, what do you think of the wine? I said, oh, that wine's tasty. They're like, oh, really? And at this price point, I'm like, yeah, the wine's really good, but I'm not going to buy it. And they looked at me cross-eyed. I said, the label sucks. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be able to sell it because that label is boring as all hell. Yeah. You know? Savage. It's a big you part. You keep it real, man. It's a big... I, I, keep, I keep it real without being a jerk about it. <laughs> and, I mean, and... that's, that's the thing. I mean, look, I, I can be a yes man and just say, oh, it's good. Oh, I think that wine is nice. And I'll be like, no, that doesn't do them any good. It doesn't do their employees any good. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, I, I want to 
give them any opinions or advice that I can so that they can succeed so that their families are better off so that their employees are better off. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes on down the line. In a sea of bottles, you have to stand out. If you're not a well-known name, you have to have some sort of, uh, you, you need to have that attention grabber, then have the product I would assume behind that. That, 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 yeah, that it plays that a big fact, factor in their sales. That will play a big factor. Yeah, I think it's a good way to okay, put let, it. Let, know, let, that's let, not the sole thing, but that's that's going to play a big factor. Let's yeah. use these cans for example. Like, what what mm. which which one would stand out to you more? Since this is an audio podcast, um, <laughs> if anybody wants to go to uh, Google Google Images, they can go ahead and look up uh, Relax Hazy oh, IPA shoot. from the brewery. Mm. That um, one's an eye catching. Of the four here, okay. I think that is the most eye-catching. Really? Why? I, I, yeah. would, I would say the same. Yeah. Um, the colors really pop. Mm. You know, it's it's uh, an orange on the top with like a medium to light blue on the bottom. Uh, it's got a picture of an animal on it. As goofy as that may sound to some people, that actually mm-hmm. people like things with animals on their labels. Horses. Oh, my God, they love horses. Anybody who's in marketing... Horses, more horses. Mm. So many, so many equestrians and yep. horse lovers that are into beverages. Blantons. They love Blantons. Uh, what is it? Uh, Rock Hill Farm, Rockledge Farm. Mm. You know, that bourbon's good. Uh, 14 Hands has horses all over it. People dig it. They're like, oh, I need 14 Hands just because it has horses on it. Yep. They don't even care if it's good or bad. It's <laughs> like, I just need this wine. It's got a horse on it. I'm not even joking. That's what I'm saying. Serious. The label thing. You know? it's, it's a real yeah. thing, man. It's... Okay. All right. And, and, and the, the label is simple. Not too simple, I get. You know, I mean, the colors just pop. I mean, that catches my eye first. And I don't know if this... That's Brewery West, man. So I, 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 I like their setup on their stickers. Whenever yeah. I see a silver can, man, I think of Coors Light. That's really? Marketing. Mark, their marketing worked right there. Silver bullet. It worked. Wow. It yeah. worked. So I, I see a silver can. I mean, not to say it's a bad beer. I see silver can compared to an orange-blue can. Okay, whatever. That's 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 literally just, you know... From a, a quick glance, and mm-hmm. then the black can with the white lettering with Lord Hobo, the glorious, yeah, tastes good. But if I look at that, that looks like something. If that was in like a tall can, like a, that could be just your basic whatever. I don't know. To me, it looks like a cheap beer. Black I don't know. sucks. Wow. That that black. Yeah. That, okay. that. It's, not, it's not a good look. No, no, and I, I don't. I've never been a fan of of uh, like black wine labels and black cans, you know, no. for for beers because you want to pop then. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, on a retailer's shelf, it, the the black adds as a void. It's lack of color, and people scan over it. I ha- can't tell you how many times we've had vendors come in. Again, marketing. Anybody who's into marketing, listen. I can't tell you how many times like distributors have come in who I meet with several times a week who are like, hey, you're out of stock on this. I'm like, no, I've it's full. Oh, I totally missed it. They missed their own product because it's got a dark black you no know, yeah i'm totally <laughs> serious so like even one, if the own distributors miss it because <laughs> because it's got a black label or the can's black things like that it's it's just you know you can come up with anything else they want like oh but it looks more distinguished like for wine i mean i'm mostly talking about wine they of say course. oh it looks more elegant more distinguished on you know the table at a steakhouse it's like no it doesn't because mm-hmm. it's dark in a steakhouse you can't even see what you're drinking yeah you know so nobody knows what the hell it is mm. and then on a shelf it just blends in and you tell that to them they go oh yeah maybe you're right <laughs> so i'm with jordan i don't like that okay the the label he's talking okay. about and the like last it. one there that we had the first beer we have is gunwale gun, gun uh hazy ipa i like that because it it's well i like it but i also think it's reminiscent of like a starbucks kind of thing 
It's got the same kind of like off white, and then almost I can't tell if it's like a green or a blue on there, but it's almost it's like an Aztec whatever. Like, like it's, it's, more like, it's, it's more like a southwestern uh, New Mexico Tex Mex thing. Tex Mex, yeah. but it has like a Starbucks vibe to it. And I think I kind of like it because of that. And one, it doesn't look like a beer can. Like this to me looks like you like this is like a like a brown bag beer, like mm. with a black. I don't know why. Mm. It's just weird. Like what our our visual kind yeah. of you know representation of what a beer is going to be like. But. You should go into marketing. I'm in business administration right now, so they, they don't have anything thing. to do with each other. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm, that was my point. Um, yeah, so, maybe, maybe uh, I can do that. Um, Dan, <laughs> can, can we talk about your recent trip to uh, what is that? Stoller, Stoller, or Stoller? How do you pronounce that? Stoller, 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 up in Oregon's Willamette Valley. Mm-hmm. Willamette, damn okay. it! That's how people remember it. Damn Well, some people say Willamette, which I used to say that too until somebody from the region said, "No, it's Willamette." Damn it. Willamette, damn it. Oh. Okay. Well, all right. I'll never forget it now. Willamette. Piss off. That sounds like Piss a... Piss off, you wanker. Sounds like, that, <laughs> that sounds like a dad joke. We're like, hmm, you know where I found your, found, uh, your mom? Oh, well, I was up uh, in Oregon, and, uh, well, I met your mom up there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot... <laughs> stupid dad joke. That was a lot cleaner than I thought it was going to go. <laughs> Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. That was a terrible, um, terrible off the cuff. But. Yeah, man, I, I I hadn't been to Willamette Valley in about ten years, um, mm. so it was really good to get up there again to get a. Because uh, the first time I was up there, it's like I knew about the region and I knew stuff about it, but it was like during this immersion course that was, it was really good. But it, at the same point in time, it was kind of like throwing things at the wall and seeing what's going to stick with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did learn some stuff, but I forgot a whole lot of stuff too. So going back there was like, oh yeah, I kind of remember this, and and kind of going on my own pace. I could I could kind of plan out where I wanted to go and why I wanted to go there, and things just started clicking a lot more. You know, that's that's gorgeous. Kind of reminds me of uh, Sonoma in certain ways. Did you go fishing? Um, no, no fishing Dang this it, time. Man. No, <laughs> maybe next time though. Okay, maybe next time. There's a all lot right. a lot of places to go fish over there. Yeah. How do you retain all that though? Like, how do you retain all this information? You know, tasting all these wines, you know, talking to all these people, going to all these wineries. Like, how do you retain all that? You it, know what I mean? It's just if you love it, you love it. Yeah, I know, exactly. but I mean, but you've been you've been to high time wine cellars. I have Jordan, but like I, I think of it just like mountain bikes, man. I probably know way too much. When, not even <laughs> oh, that. I don't. I don't even know that much. But compared to like a normal person. They think like once I start saying like, "Well, we got these uh, SRAM guide brakes," and well, like and they're just like, "What do you guide? What kind of guide? What are you talking about?" And what's like, a SRAM? Yeah, what's a SRAM? Yeah, S R A. It's like, who is that? What does that stand for? I don't know. Yeah. It's just, but it's just. Yeah. I, I feel like it's one of those things. Once you get into it, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you, you no, that's it. exactly. It's just like anything else, you know. It's like with you and paving, you know. Yeah, dude. no, no comparison. <laughs> the asphalt, man. You know when you go to the paving, you go to the paving store. There's a bunch of different asphalt. Like, how do you know what type of gravel does what, man? I don't know. Okay. It's just something you do, okay. just like any, just like okay. anybody else. You know, how does a runner know the difference between how a Nike feels on their foot versus Adidas? Well, no, and how, I, but I mean, I mean yeah. like you go, okay, you you go to High Time Wine Cellars in Costa Mesa, right? Mm-hmm. It's two two levels of like wall to wall wine, dude. Like. Yeah, I'm just I messing mean, with you. There, there's thousands of bottles. Yeah, I don't, I'm I don't like, know how you I'm like, how does, how does, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not like, like talking smack on you, Dan, but I'm like. That's I mean, a first. That, right? <laughs> All right. And we're not done yet. And we're not done yet. That's right. Old man. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's wall to wall, like wine. It's like, how do you, like, how do you break it down? Um, it just, it comes with time. I mean, I'm not going to say that we remember every single bottle that's there, but after a while, like, um, you know, like that picture you showed me on your phone of mm-hmm. the the prisoner wine um 
you know, after tasting those wines for, you know, a few years, you get a sense of the house style. You know what the wine's going to be like in just about any given year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know whether, you know, that wine does not tend to be earthy, lean, super tannic, super structured, very drying on the mouth. It's the opposite. It's very smooth. It's very silky. It's very rich on the palate, you know, tons and tons of fruit. You start tasting those wines for a couple of years and you're like, okay, I know what that wine is like. You know, mm-hmm. maybe this year it shows a little more of like a, a cherry or raspberry note. And last year it was a little more plum and black currant or something, but you kind of know the essence of what the wine is going to be about, mm. you know? So it's just like, you know, riding a bike, you know, you, you know, you start, you ride bikes long enough. You kind of know what the characteristics of a Santa Cruz are going to be versus the characteristics of a specialized versus the characteristics of a giant, let's say, you know, I mean, you just start, eventually you just start knowing certain things, Mm. you know? So even if like a new release comes out and I haven't tasted it, yeah, I may not know it exactly, but I, I know what the vintage is like for the region and I know what their wines are like so you can get a pretty good guess without testing it of what it's going to expect and you won't you won't really know until you actually taste it you know so i'm not saying you don't have to taste wine but you start getting an idea after several years of what to expect out of something you have you have an educated guess going into it yeah like an hypothesis yeah yeah exactly and it's it's you're right it's educated but it's pretty educated <laughs> yeah for sure and uh yeah. i mean well the cool thing you, you guys do a lot of wine tasting there right like it's yeah like you guys have like a, a schedule or something like throughout the week where you guys have like certain wines that you're tasting that week yeah yeah we do four tastings a week sometimes five but typically four tastings a week on tuesdays thursdays fridays and saturdays and it's a different uh theme you know let's say every time like one time it can just be like anything from as general as like uh these are you know eight different wines that all were just released from the state of California, you know, and it could be a Sauvignon Blanc and a Chardonnay and a Merlot and a Pinot and a Cab and and whatever else to uh, like tomorrow we're focusing on one producer. We're focusing, we're going to pour wines from um, Odero out of Italy. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, somebody's going to be here, you know, from that winery in Italy and they're going to be at our shop and pouring just the Odero wines, which should be awesome if you love Italian wines. And then, Saturday, there we're pouring non-vintage champagne, you know, so it can get to, you know, it can be very specific. It can be very general. Tuesdays are typically 10 bucks to taste five, six wines, you know, so that's pretty nice. inexpensive on a Tuesday evening. Yeah. Um, and then Thursdays through Saturdays, anywhere from like 20 bucks to maybe 35 is typical, but we'll do some tastings that could be like 40, 50, 100 bucks, you wow. know, per person. Ooh. Just depends. But typically they're like, you know, 20 to 30, you know, 35, 40. Let's say 20 to 40, mm-hmm. typically. That's pretty Thursdays, cool Friday, that, they, that they offer that because, you know, it just gives more people a chance to, to try different wines. Yeah, and it's yeah. not a stuffy environment. I mean, that's one thing. We are not pompous, stuffy over there at... Uh, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. Dan's could be some sometimes. No, Opinionated, yes. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no, the stuffy. No, uh, no, it's a cool place. What? Um, what? What wine has surprised you this year? Like you're like, wow, like that kind of like was unexpected. Like, is there like a like a dance choice? Like, uh, like if, if I go, if somebody goes in there, like, hey, what's what's your favorite wine this year? I mean, can can you narrow it down to like, let's say, a certain region? That's or? hard to do. Yeah. That's really hard to do. I would I would say, um, always champagne. I always love champagne. But the new thing this year is I've really jumped into Gruner Veltliner 
from Austria. Those have been really good. That's, yeah, these guys are looking at me cross-eyed. <laughs> um, it's, it's from Austria. It's a, uh, a typically a lighter, uh, light to medium-bodied white wine that shows uh, more acidity. Um, you, won't, you will rarely see them with any oak. Um, you will rarely taste them with any of those buttery characteristics. It's like the opposite of a Chardonnay. It's more Sauvignon Blanc-y than Chardonnay, Weird. you know, for the lay person. Um, and they have all these like, um, light fruit flavors, like, uh, maybe sometimes, a, you know, a little bit of like, uh, citrus rind going on with that. Maybe a little bit of green apple, but it's mm. really more of like, it has this really interesting taste of like watercress and bean sprout. You know, it's, it's almost, it's almost like, it's not about the fruit you're tasting in the wine. It's about the non fruit characteristics in the wine wow. okay you know yeah, and it. they're they're really it's really good like with uh like salads mm. it's really good uh seafood it's really good okay um chicken dishes it's really good like i've just kind of jumped into those and i really like the 2016s because they're more refreshing it's a wine that has high acid that does not mean it's sour or acidic or sharp it just means it's got more acidity to it and that actually makes the wine more lively, more fresh, and it literally will make your mouth salivate as you taste this wine. Like mm. you, you will. Mm. Wow, that's really good, and you really just start going back for it. Wow. So, 2016 Gruner Veltliners from Austria are delicious. Jot, jot it down, George. You're, you're gonna you're gonna have to help me uh, spell that <laughs> later after this. But um, so I guess I would bring up my next thing. So when it comes to European wines, what I've heard is that they're less fruity, more. Um, I wouldn't say earthy, but the, yes. uh, the, like the the Californian uh, wines tend to be more fruity to to kind of you yeah. know satisfy the locals versus like the European wines tend to be more earthy and more like I, I know there's like a back and forth like yeah. battle between the two. Yeah. This is a very broad point of view, but um, yeah, yeah, would, would that kind of go yeah. along that same kind of thing? I think that's a good generalization. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't really argue that you know um, in the sense of like European the European wines tend to have a little more. Just a different style. Or a little more non-fruit, you know? They've got fruit, but maybe they show a little more non-fruit compared to, let's say, New World. We'll put it in New World wines. And that's just because, like, like here in California, we have warmer weather. Mm-hmm. Um, most, of, most of California gets less rain during the growing season, um, you know? So we have sunnier skies. So, yeah, you know, we're going to get uh, wines that have more sugar. Uh, which means more alcohol, which typically mean you know, well, not which means, but we you know we'll also have more fruit. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a a generalization. But I mean, you know, there's there's European wines that I've tasted that are just as fruity as anything you'll find out of California and mm-hmm. Australia. And there have been wines from California that would be a dead ringer for a white Burgundy, you know, from France. You'd be like, oh my god, I never would have guessed that was from California, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think it's a generalization. Yeah, yeah you'll typically find fruitier wines, which doesn't mean sweeter, like residual sugar. Just they have more fruit intensity mm-hmm. and less non-fruit, like like earth uh, tones, compared to like European wines. Yeah, I think it's fairly that's fine. What, what's a, what's a tempranillo? What kind of what? tempranillo? That is a Spanish grape, typically found in Rioja. Uh, Rioja is probably the most prestigious uh, region for tempranillo in all the world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those are good wines. Um, a, a wide variety of styles, but typically I, I find them to 
have um, a little bit more moderate tannin structure to them. Um, they're aged in American oak, uh, a lot of times neutral American oak. They're very soft and silky. Um, it's more of like a textural, ethereal thing rather than like what kind of fruit am I getting out of it. Um, but they're really good. Hmm. Really okay. tasty. Really tasty. And, and you can get a very good Tempranillo for like the teens. Hmm. You know, they, they, you know, obviously you can find some for hundreds of dollars, but yeah. I mean, teens and 20s, and we're talking like very high quality wines. Like, you know, even Master Psalms would be like, I would love to drink the rest of that wine. You know, what so. would that go with? Exactly. Like, what would you eat that with? Or is it just kind of a, a enjoy? It's no, no, no. It's actually, it's actually very food friendly because it's, um, um, because it's got good acid, um, and the tannins, the, the fact that the tannins are a little, you know, not quite so aggressive, um, help it to pair well with a wide variety of foods. But I mean, you know, I, I probably wouldn't do any seafood unless you were going to, you know, maybe do a salmon, but I would, you know, that'd be like, eh, I guess you could, but, mm-hmm. okay. um, just wouldn't be my first choice, but, um, chicken, beef, probably not lamb, um, pork. Mm, would be really good. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, really? um, I had it at the at Port Restaurant right there in Crown Moore. Mm-hmm. My buddies were playing there. Um, Lance and David, they're part of a Blackwater Gospel, and you know, bought a you know bought a glass of wine for my aunt. You know, and mm-hmm. that's what they had. And because Uncle B's like, oh yeah, this is a good wine. I'm like, whatever, dude. Like, let me get that for my aunt. And uh, I traded. I was like, oh, it's good. Yeah. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I gotta ask Dan. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're okay. really good wines. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 man. So what was your highlight of your trip when you went to Stoller? Um, the beauty. I mean, the wines are good. Don't get me wrong. The wines, I actually just, because um, we didn't carry any of the wines until I went there. And I went there just because they own two, the the owner of Stoller owns another winery and we carry those wines. And they were just like, well, while you're here, why don't you just go check out the other one? So I checked it out and uh you know, I, uh, the Pinot was really good. The Pinot Noir was really good. So I, I bought that for the store. We now have it. It's like $25, lots of red fruit, you know, kind of little, uh, nice sandy little texture to it. It's, it's really nice. It's really pleasant Pinot Noir. I like that. Uh, but just the beauty of the estate is just insane. I think on my post, I, I think I said something like God vacations and yeah, you did in, in Oregon and, and he comes to Stoller. Was that the one that had the, that one building that was all just windows? Is that the one that I commented on? Uh, or is this like the crazy estate? Like it just looks like super modern and like no, this one. I which one? Uh, it was. yeah, I don't know. I think I may have done a separate post, but this is one where it was just like you had all these green vines with a tree in the middle, and the soils were red, like almost brick red. Mm. That's you cool. Know, it's it so was, different than our our environment. You know, it was amazing. Like I was sitting there, and I've been to a lot of you know beautiful properties, and I never mm-hmm. take them for granted. I'm just like wow. This is this is amazing. I am so lucky to have my job. I really am. And yeah. I and I was just at this place just wow, that view is insane. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Modern tasting room. Yep. Yeah. Have you uh, have you had a chance to go to Baja yet to, to to try some of the wines down there? No, no, not yet. And I just got to get a passport first. Well, here, here comes the you Baja know, plug. You know, <laughs> you know, maybe I would go if there was some sort of like bike festival. Hey, Ooh, hey, you know. Dan. Hey, speaking of that, hey, what's would up? you like to go to Baja, California? I mean, oh, what a- Baja, Mexico, California, <laughs> Mexico? Damn, a, same this thing. Guy, dude. We'll go well, back down to lose, uh, you know, a little uh, compound down there. <laughs> You like bikes? Plug, dude. Plug. Do you like fests? Hey, you know what? There's a bike fest down there. <laughs> you, like, you like tacos? 
I got you, son. That's a, I got you. I don't you like Mexican food. It's just called food down there. That's, <laughs> that's right. We don't call it Mexican because it's, we're in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> Can you explain that to me? I don't really. What? No, Mexican I'm, food? Jeez, I'm kidding. Chips, salsa. Guacamole. Guacamole? Guacamole, as white people say. Guacamole. Oh, yeah, some guac. Some guac in a plastic container. So, Lou, how, how much longer do yeah. you want to go with this? Uh, I, I have questions, but we can... Uh, yeah, we got time, man. What do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, we got time. Um, my other things I had written down was basically um, soul fights was another topic that I found out. I've, I've, I've heard people talk about soul fights. Yeah. yeah, what's your question on soul fights? What? Is it bad, as people say, or is it just like a thing that people just... What, what do you mean, is it bad, as people say? What, Some, what people? So soul fights are... Do they blame it on headaches? Like, do they blame like what's the? I'm I've only heard this in, in other podcasts, actually. Strangely enough, but um, sulfites meaning like the like European wines tend to not have them, but I, I'm like I don't know. That's that's one of those. There's there's lots of bits of information that people are are trying to combine into something that is and kind of is not there. Like. Um, Okay, so so here's the thing. So, um, I'll, I'll kind of bounce back and forth. Uh, educate me. I have so, no idea. So sulfites are a naturally – they naturally occur during the fermentation of wine. So even a wine with no added sulfites still has sulfites. But it's it's an extremely, known, extremely low number. Like I think if I remember correctly, I want to say it's like uh, – between six and eight parts per million, oh, geez. you know, yeah, it's, it's... is is what naturally occurs in a wine yeah. uh, during during the fermentation process, um, and the riper the fruit is, uh, some needs for the addition of sulfite will be very ripe fruit, which we get here in California compared mm-hmm. to Europe, you know. Um, although things are starting to change a little bit, but that's for a different day. But, uh, you know, our (laughs) fruit is harvested as a blanket statement, much riper than let's say in Europe. So we, why is that? So we, we have more sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll go back and forth. So like, you know, you have like, uh, back like maybe 15, 20 years ago the you know, or even today, Europeans will always say, you know, oh, our wines are so ripe because we have so much sun and it's so warm over here and how bad our wines are. But then when they get weather like we have, they claim it's like the best vintage that they've ever had. <laughs> Period. You know, so it's like, wait a minute, you're just full of freaking, can I say shit? Yeah. You're yeah. full of shit. What the hell is this, you know? <laughs> you fecal matter, you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's like, oh, darn. So, so they'll do that. So, I mean, you know, so I mean, so, so we... I don't know. So I just, first of all, I think, I think that's just like a little crap, but, but anyway, to keep trying to get back on point. So it's like, so as a blanket statement, we'll have riper fruit. So we may have more of a need for sulfites. Again, that depends on, you know, maybe you won't depending on the producer and, and the type a of wine need, you're going though. for here. What do you mean need? Uh, some, if, oh man, that's getting, that's getting pretty deep, but, okay. but, okay. uh, to try and make it short, like if you let your fruit hang very long, there are things like, uh, there are bad My- things, you know, A can lead to B to lead to C. That means you've got bad stuff growing on your grapes and you need to add sulfites or else your wine's going to taste Go like crap. Go see a doctor. <laughs> you got stuff growing on your grapes, yeah. man. What's wrong with you, man? So, um, but that's one reason why you may want to use it. Um, you know, if your wine, uh, the, as you let your fruit hang on the vine longer, the, P, the, the acid starts to drop and the pH of... 
the wine starts to rise and the higher the pH in your wine, the easier it is for microbial spoilage. Mm. So if you put some sulfites in the wine, uh, you know, either you okay. can put it on the grapes when they first come in. And it uh, kills, kills get, off the, the stuff or what? Yeah, yeah. You know, you can put it on when they first come in. You can put it when it's in barrel. You can put it right before bottling. You can put it in all th- small parts in all three. Okay. You know, so I mean, most, most, I would say, I will go out on a limb and say that most wineries do add sulfites to their wines. Hmm. Um, some add very small amounts. Some add a lot to it. Um, but, but the one thing I'll say is a lot of people will blame headaches on sulfites and that is most times that's going to be wrong. Yeah. If, if mm. they can eat, if they can eat, uh, uh, dried apricots, dried fruit, they don't have a salt. They do not have a sulfite allergy, you know, okay. because there's more, there's more, uh, sulfur dioxide on, you know, one piece of fruit than there is on a whole bottle of wine. Jeez. You know? So that's no, what we've, what we've, we meaning, you know, the community and what we've been reading is that what causes headaches is actually oak allergies. Oak. Okay. Yeah. Oak allergies. More people seem to have like oak allergies than sulfite allergies. And we do tend to use more oak here in the States compared to other regions. Um, And it gives, it gives a a great flavor profile. You know, if you like California wines. You know, it makes a great flavor profile. You get a little more like the vanilla, the lactone, mm-hmm. like the chocolate things kind of go into mm-hmm. it. But depending on the cooper, the forest, um, you know, depending on the actual oak, you know, that might give you a headache. Hmm. And so more and more they're saying like, no, it's not the sulfites. You know, so if you can if you can go, if you can eat dried fruit, I would be shocked if you had a legit sulfite allergy. Chances mm-hmm. are you do not. What kind of what kind of uh, wood do they use in Europe? French. <laughs> I mean, what is it? You're, no, uh, you're no. a paying wood, all right? <laughs> well, what? You're paying. You're paying some You're paying wood. Your trees and leaves and shit. You're paying. Real snobby wood. Real snobby. No, no, they all the same wood, but different, you know, different uh, how warm or cold a forest is, how much water is in a forest uh, can dictate how tight or open the the grain is mm. in the wood. Okay. Um, and then, you know, if it's a little more open, maybe, you know, a little bit more of uh, uh, the that oak can leach, you know, can come, well, not leach in the wine, but, you know, it gets into the wine and maybe, you know, you it gives you a little bit of a headache. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, also, you know, our, our wines tend to have like, you know, a point or sometimes even two or more alcohol, you know, than you know, uh, than some of the European wines, you know, like most European wines, depending on what you're drinking are going to be, you know, like 11 to maybe 13 and a half or 14% alcohol, or most stuff here in California is, you know, 13 and a half to 15 to alcohol. Wow. So, Hey, you know, it's, you're going to feel that too. Oh yeah. You know? Interesting. Okay. So I, I mean, a few more, I guess we can kinda, go for, I've got as much time as you guys we, have. We can kind of spitfire these, uh, Natural versus synthetic corks. Mm-hmm. Would synthetic be generally a cheaper wine? Natural being a nicer wine, or are there different pros and cons yeah. to each? Or, yeah. As a, a blanket statement, yeah, with the one exception being DM, um, D I A M. It's pronounced DM. They actually make a cork out of crushed up cork. Um, good for them. It's actually no, it's good. Actually, they um, what to paraphrase what happened was they 
people were trying to develop a way to find something. There's something in cork that can make the wine taste bad, and they were trying to find out how to measure that in corks, and they used it with like a carbon, I think it was carbon dioxide, to pull this thing out so they can measure it. And they said, well, if we can do that to this cork, why don't we just pull it out of the cork so that there isn't this in the cork anymore? And they figured out a process to where now I think like they, you know, I think at one point in time, like the amount of what they would call corked wine or, you know, bad corks that could make the wine go bad was somewhere around 8%. And now this company has virtually 0%, wow. you know, for that. So it's okay. insane. That's cool. So that would be the only, and that I would, I wouldn't even call it synthetic. I mean, cause it is made from natural cork, but with like, you know, an addition, like, uh, I forget what it is, like maybe wax or I don't know, something yeah. just to keep everything together. I a forget bind, what it is. Some kind of a binder, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to keep everything back together. That would be the only one that I would say, yeah, that non- just plain natural cork. Yeah, that would be the only one. Everything else, like rubber corks, I don't like. The glass yeah. stoppers, I'm not a big fan of. Stelvin is good. I like Stelvin. The screw caps. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Those are those are good. Those are those are good. You can um you won't get that corkiness out of those. And um I know people associate that with the cheap wine. I would yeah. say no. That I mean, again, yeah, 30 years ago, that's what it was. Cheap wine was bottled in a screw cap. Now mm-hmm. it's like, I've got, I literally have wines that sell for $300 a bottle. They bottle half of that in a screw cap. Wow. <laughs> and people don't even bat an eye because they're like, that's one of the good. best wines I've ever had. I need that. Now, but but I mean, as a blanket statement, obviously with the exception of like that $300 bottle yeah. I was talking about, mm-hmm. but as a blanket statement, it's like, no, screw caps is really just, you know, like maybe something you should drink sooner rather than later. You know, okay. like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. Every single New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is bottled under screw cap. That's so weird. Yeah, that's right. an interesting question too, Jordan. So okay, so <laughs> seriously, like I'm no, like, that's a, that's I, I would have never thought about that. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people out there who are like, oh, screw cap, it's a bad wine. It's like hell, no, it isn't. Like those Gruners I was talking about that that I've been drinking this year. I think I can't think of one that I bought that wasn't a cork. You know, I know we have some that are, but I think all the ones I had were all screw cap. That's and so I do not bat an eye because they are delicious. And mm-hmm. to me, going back to a marketing <laughs> point of view, if you, if you don't know that, that's that's I me. Mean, I guess those wines are so nice. It's like if you you're only buying those because you know what they are, but something I think, like that, yeah, I would say. Yeah. But um, so I had I had two more questions. One that's going to take yeah. probably a lot longer, but one that's quick. But my my longer question being, if we have time, um, would be the different glasses that you have for certain wines mm-hmm. um, and what the reasoning is behind that. But my other, my last one would be to decant or not to decant wine. Mm, both, both will take about the same amount of time, but I okay. think we, I can, I can go through those really quick. Sure. Yeah. So the first was the glass question again. Yes. Yeah, so like depending on the wine, you have different shaped glasses. Yeah. Um, what's the reasoning behind that? Um, pray, oh man, I haven't, it's like one of those, like, I know where, this I know is, the answer is, your, is up in my head. This is your test for your uh, sommelier. Yeah. No, it's up in my head, and I know what it is. It just won't really quite re- reach my mouth. But it really has to do with, like, body, aromatics, intensity, things like that. They'll shape the glass differently. And, and not only just the way it, it flares or bowls out in the middle, but the way that it, it starts coming in, you know, towards the top and the height and how much volume it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and where it hits your mouth as well uh where it hits like the very the very tip of your tongue or just past that or more the middle of your tongue that will have a great effect on the wine like Riedel Riedel's a a very well respected uh glass manufacturer and they've come in with 
different wines in different glasses and they say, okay, taste it out of this glass, see where it, it hits your mouth. And this is what most people use. Now pour it into this, you know, pour that Sauvignon Blanc that's in a, like a shorter, skinnier, narrow glass into your, your Burgundy glass, which is very fat, you know, very, I, I have you know, one of those. <laughs> and, and they're like, now see where it tastes, see where it hits your mouth. You know, it totally misses the tip of your tongue, you know, and goes past that. And the wine starts tasting really flabby. So where the glass makes the wine hit your tongue, you know, will actually affect the, um, uh, the taste of it. And then if it's a very aromatic wine, you know, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you want it to be, you know, you want a little, a a larger opening, you know, like at the top, you know, I mean, there's just like different reasons, you know, as to why Mm. you'd want that, you know, and like port, port is like a sweet dessert wine, sweet Mm -hmm. wines you typically don't drink a lot of. And, um, so for that reason, you wouldn't pour them in a very large Cabernet glass. You, you pour them in a smaller glass because you're going to drink less of it, you know, Mm -hmm. just things like that. I wonder if like the surface area of the opening would make the difference between if it aerates it a little differently too, if you have like a wider based, like kind of, uh, glass, I wonder if that like kind of, that if the top of the wine has more exposed to the air, if that would change the flavor depending on the, on the style. Yeah. If if you pour the wine to the, to a glass's widest point and then it narrows substantially at the bottom it'll help to concentrate those aromas and maybe make something that's slightly aromatic a little more aromatic yeah yeah and then that what was that last question again last one was uh to decant or not to to be or not to be yeah decant i mean not every time you shouldn't have to but if no no but i mean there's let's put it this way aerate at least, at least aerate. I think a lot of people pop the cork and they pour the wine and start drinking it right away. Um, I think a lot of wines will benefit from decanting, either pouring it into a, you know, a decanter, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be an expensive decanter. It could be a carafe, but just that introduction of oxygen to the wine will really help out a lot of wines. Um, especially a wine with a lot of structure, mm-hmm. you know, such as a Cabernet Sauvignon or, yeah. you know, something from Italy. Uh, but, um, like I wouldn't do it for a Sauvignon Blanc, you know, uh, but uh, you know, uh, it's the, the, as soon as the Sauvignon Blanc loses its aromatics, it loses its flavor. So you don't want to do yeah. it with that. But I mean, you know, I say like something like Cabernet, again, the most popular red wine out there, yeah. you know, even if you just pour yours, if you buy a wine at a shop, that's at a current vintage, even if you pour yourself half a glass or a glass, just let it sit there even for, you know, even for 10 minutes, hopefully maybe even 30 minutes, you just let it breathe, you know, because p- taking the cork out of the wine, you know, or unscrewing the, the cap doesn't do anything. You have mm. air trying to hit the size of a nickel yeah, in the wine. But as sense. soon as you pour yourself a little bit and you let it sit there, you've introduced oxygen not only to the wine in your glass, but also to the wine in the bottle. That will help that open up much more. So I, I'm a big fan of decanting. Uh, there's even some Chardonnays from California Central Coast, Santa Cruz Mountains, that taste really weird when they're poured right out of the bottle. But as soon as you decant them, they are beautiful. Interesting. That's a, yeah. so much science behind all this, this stuff. Makes me want to yep. drink wine. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I want to get more into it. But as Jordan said earlier, you know, he may not know the difference between this, that, but just he knows what tastes good to him. And like I've said, that's the most important thing. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean, all this, all the knowledge may or may not help you to enjoy wine more it should help you to appreciate it more but in the end it doesn't really matter yeah. do you like it great drink it who cares wow boom i have more questions but we're <laughs> running out of time yeah 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 dan uh, i want to yeah. thank you for coming in i love you, Lou. Story. love you too man oh, jesus <laughs>
I, I don't. Like <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, but I want to screw Jordan. <laughs> we we got we got a, <laughs> we we got a we got some we got some mountain biker coming in next week. Yeah, just a just a little name. Yeah, yeah just a big deal. He's he's all right. Bruce Klein. <laughs> he's ridden a bike a few times. Yeah, he's coming in next week. Top so story. T- you tell that guy I said he's bad motherfucking ass. Okay. You like his ass? Is that what you're saying? I mean, it's just, who doesn't? Just following in suit. <laughs> you see him? Oh man! No, I can't wait to see the guy again, dude. He's, Whoa, he was, he was fan awesome. boy. He's a tall drink of water. <laughs> Bruce Lang coming in next week. Nice. Uh, BK. That'd be awesome. Yeah, with, uh, we had him on the show before. We had some issues, and uh, and then he took off to Europe. Hurt himself again, so he's on the on the disabled list right now. I guess until he gets back to hundred mm-hmm. percent. But uh, yeah, he'll be coming in and uh, talking about his trip to Europe and his recovery process and you know what's what's in store for him in yeah. the future because well, how many races are left uh they just, this one this weekend and then, yeah. and then world champs yeah and then until next year so, so i mean for him he's, he's got a, a, a good amount of time to recover but which sucks i mean he he was on he, he was doing good last year he was doing awesome oh yeah this year he's just having you know it's just bad luck i would say yeah more than anything that's I mean, unfortunate stuff happens yeah but uh, yeah is it to, to finish off with khs last year he did, he did great so this uh with common uh they seem like a good company they'll probably support yeah. next year too mm-hmm. hopefully so awesome guy so yeah. I, can't, I can't wait to talk to him again oh you're coming in jordan oh yeah dude i'm i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm inviting myself i, I want to <laughs> see the guy he's a nice dude dude i i, I appreciate uh talking jordan to can i come with you I mean, if you oh nice, <laughs> I've, I I was lucky to ride with uh, with him one and a half times, let's say, and he's a cool dude and fast mm. as all hell, super fast. That's that's a cool thing about people like that that are that are like down to earth that are don't. Act he's not like a jerk about bags. It. Yeah. No, yeah, and he doesn't think he's like super high on a pedestal. He just comes off as like a really nice guy, and I. I want to see. I mean, that guy's already had like a good amount of success, but I just want to see him succeed even more and more. I mean, he's he's working hard for it. He's got a great attitude. You know, he's a good ambassador. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that guy a lot. He's cool. You got to be the complete package. You just can't be like you know performing and kicking ass and and then being a douchebag. You know, like with people on the trails and stuff like that. You got to be the com- <laughs> what man? I'm just saying, dude. That's whatever, dude. <laughs> Apparently we know how Jordan rules. Yeah. <laughs> Douchebag. Yeah, I gotta balance it out. <laughs> so Dan, uh before we wrap it up, uh so you're you're gonna work on becoming your uh becoming a sommelier. Is that how do you pronounce how do you pronounce that? Uh sommelier? Okay. No, it's just <laughs> Yeah, sommelier is fine. You better, you better know. <laughs> no, I'm just, what's I mean? I'm yeah. messing. I'm messing. What, let's, let's break it down real quick. What's the process of that, and what what does that mean, and how does that help you, and or this you know does it help you at all when you when you have that kind of a badge? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it totally does. I mean, I think I, I'm a, I'm a fan of you know. M- in the wine, let's talk wine industry. And then, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of like any type of education. And I yeah. think that will help me because it gives me a different way of looking at things. You know, a lot of the, um, cert, you know, certification that I have and the one that I'm trying to get, you know, is, is, you know, the one I have right now is based specifically for retail. The one I just took is for retail and for maybe restaurants. Sommelier is really geared towards, you know, restaurants, the on-premise, as they say. And so, um, you know, it'll, it'll give me a different way of looking at things as well as, um, uh, it'll, it'll give me a different way of, of looking at things as, as well as giving me another accreditation and having a little, uh, 
people, I guess, I don't want to say people look at me differently, but it just, it's just a different way of looking at things. And yeah. hopefully that can help me service my customers better. Okay, cool. Well, good, good. good luck with that. Thanks. I'll need it. <laughs> Jordan, thanks for coming in. Dan, appreciate you, man. Love you, man. And uh, next week, we got Bruce Klein. So tune in, guys. Hits101Radio.com. Peace. Peace.